Welcome back to Humans of Purpose. I'm your host, Mike Davis, and each week I bring you conversations with local purpose-driven leaders. Leaders creating social impact through their work and inspiring positive social change across a wide variety of sectors. Sit back, tune in, and enjoy the next 40 minutes guaranteed to inspire you with our signature blend of wisdom, experience, and banter. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. Company couldn't be confused potentially or greenwashing if they just show what they've done on branding and show all the actions that they've taken. You know your ever up to date sustainability platform, but um, but with the the treasury announcing you know in the next couple of years that on a tiered phased approach that larger listed companies are going to have to start reporting on scope three emissions and then scope three industry specific metrics. This is coming down the pipeline um, in the next couple of years. So the time is now for for organisations to get on board to start getting their data in, a, in you know in order. Welcome back to another action-packed episode of Humans of Purpose. First off, a big thanks to our major sponsor, Neon Treehouse, for all their wonderful social media support. This week on the podcast, I'm thrilled to bring you my conversation with Renata Crolini. Renata is the co-founder and CSO at Brownie. Brownie is building a sustainability and success engine for small to medium enterprises, or SMEs, inspiring and empowering them to take actions that positively impact people, planet, and their profits. Using digital technology, Brownie makes ESG easy, engaging, affordable, and rewarding for SMEs and their staff. I stumbled across Renata and Brownie team's work on LinkedIn, and I'm a big fan of what they're baking. Why is their solution important? Well, SMEs contribute a third of Australia's GDP, and global estimates suggest that in OECD countries alone, this is nearly as high as a half to two-thirds of GDP. The future of the global economy may well be small business, not just the global monoliths we've all come to know and rely on. With this in mind, SMEs will have an outsized role to play in implementing sustainability and climate reduction solutions. They'll need to do so whilst tracking and reporting on the impact of these initiatives over time. Doing so is not currently a requirement, but certainly adds massive social capital to how SMEs operate and in many cases can make them a preferred option amongst conscious consumer groups. Well, enough from me. You'll hear plenty more on this as we explore these threads in our conversation. Before we do so, if you're interested in showcasing your brand, organization, or goods and services, we've got a range of promotional and sponsorship packages available and are now taking inquiries for 2024 season. You can check these out in our show notes, and all you need to do is fill out an EOI form once you've had a look at our links promotional packages PDF, and we'll get back to you within the week. Also, a reminder that you can skip all the ads, get this episode and all others a few days early on your own premium dedicated podcast feed with access to full episode transcripts, my behind-the-scenes audio note, and a bunch of other perks for the price of a cup of coffee per month. Just become a gold member by hitting the link in our show notes or heading direct to humansofpurpose.supercast.com. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Renata as much as I did. Renata, so good to have you on the podcast. How are you this morning? Good, thanks, Mike. How are you doing? Good. Well, I found out about brownie online, and then I, I started thinking about eating brownies, which is probably not ideal. But it, you know, <laughs> you, you deal in my probably my second favorite thing to brownies, which is uh, ESG uh, change and tech solutions. So, mm-hmm. really pleased to have you on the on the show today. 
Um, perhaps um, a good way to get into it is to hear a little bit about you, your background and your journey prior to Brownie. And I know that includes a myriad of wonderful things, including your time in New York, some of the great work you did over there, your family. So take us through a bit of it in whatever way feels most comfortable for you. Absolutely. And you're going to you're gonna have to, of course, correct me here and keep me on track because I do have a tendency to talk and I can go off in so many different <laughs> tangents. So if, if I do, just bring me back. But, um, but it is interesting. It's okay. It's you- Friday. <laughs> it is. It is definitely Friday. Um, it's been a long week too. Um, but it's interesting that you mentioned the name Brownie and that you know you crave a brownie because that's also part of the the cheekiness to to why we call the company Brownie because it is a memorable name and and everyone does crave a brownie and it evokes like this really good feeling of something delicious and yummy that everybody that everybody wants. Um, but about me, basically, there's um, I've had so far a really fun, enjoyable career and and life. Um, I started off uh, doing an environmental engineering degree, which was really, really interesting. Definitely not the path I thought that I would take, but that also led me to to New York City, as you alluded to beforehand. Um, my then boyfriend, now husband, and I decided to move over there for about two years. We thought, why not? Let's give it a shot. You know, he worked in finance. He thought this would be a great uh, career move. I was an environmental engineer. I'm like, well, what in the world am I going to do in the, a, a concrete jungle? You know, at, we'd never been to New York. I didn't even know if there were any trees there. Um, moved over there and it was just such like a life-changing experience. The the people that we met, uh, lifelong best friends, mentors, um, role models and, and everything of the like. And New York is, it's such an amazing, amazing, amazing city. The expression um, New York or nowhere is, is so true. It just has such a magic to it. It's gritty. It's grimy. It's so welcoming and honest. It, it keeps you on your toes. It's definitely a hard place to live. And if it doesn't spit you out, you come out a different person and a more stronger and a, a more determined person. Um, my role there, like I said, I was an engineer when I moved over there. I worked on some of the coolest construction projects in New York. Um, but as you can imagine, being pretty much the only female on a, on a job side of around, you know, 100 plus men that have been doing this forever. And I also came from the environmental lens. So they, you know, these men that have been doing this for 50 odd years, are like, I'm not interested in, in what you're telling me, like, go away, little girl. So it really kind of, it really toughened my skin and really made me realize I could actually do anything. And I could be faced with such um, challenging times. I got called every name under the sun, some names I didn't even know existed. But, you know, oh, wow. I, I here I am and I'm, I'm at the other end. But, um, yeah, New York so was So you got um, really dipped into the fire and you came out um, oh, yeah. stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a really, and that's what New York does to you. It either, it either swallows you whole and, or it, it spits you out and you're, you're just such a changed person. And 12 years just went by so fast and it's, yeah, it's, it really is a city that never sleeps and it has everything available to you. So, but that said, I'm, I'm thrilled to be back in, in Sydney now. And, you know, some of the work experiences that I've had in, in New York really led me to, to come back to Sydney, such a changed person and ready to take on such a new cool role as a founder in a sustainability tech company called Brownie, as you mentioned at the start. So. Yeah, you, you got through, wow, that, that's like the fastest, um, but like most significant quick introduction <laughs> ever. So <laughs> let, let's let's take a quick pause and hear a little bit about um, some of the things that you did. So the Robin Hood Foundation sounds mm. absolutely fascinating, the BSR as well. Yeah. Um, can T- tell us a little bit about those uh, experiences and how they might have led you to Br- Brownie Absol- and what absolutely. you're doing now. So my whole, so one theme in my life that I've always been passionate about is is sustainability and, and having a doing something with my life that has purpose and impact and, and helping people, planet, whatever it might be. So I've always, I've always had that 
as you know, is my North Star and what I want to do. Um, and this has stemmed back from, you know, my first time when I was studying engineering. Oh, sorry, when I was studying my first degree and I went to India on a humanitarian awareness trip and I met a bunch of engineers and that got me into my engineering role. And then, you know, I realized I wanted to have more of an impact with the social space around sustainability. So I found myself at the Robin Hood Foundation. And for those that are unaware, it's New York City's largest private foundation that helps to measurably and sustainably lift New Yorkers out of poverty. Now, like I said, like I always thought I understood the lens of poverty. I thought I, I had a good understanding of it. But working in the Robin Hood Foundation really just, you know, blew my mind with what poverty meant and the different faces of poverty. And it's not it's not the, the what the media wants you to think. It's, you know, it's that, that single mom with the, the small child that's living in a homeless shelter and homeless shelter. And um, it's the person working at your local bodega that's selling you the coffee or the newspaper. So it really just opened my mind to the, the plight of those people living in poverty, how hard the cycle is to break. You know, once someone or a family falls into poverty, it's incredibly hard to get them out. You know, they need government support, private foundation support corporate support everything and and it's, they're just stopped at so many different paths so working at robin hood they um they fund interventions that really try to lift new yorkers out of poverty for good um because it's not good enough just to get someone out for a year and then leave them alone and then they fall back in so really like trying to fund legal interventions to help people get access to benefits that they're, they're not aware of or funding homeless shelters that have supportive systems in place that connects them to um, mental health situations or doctors or education programs um also building buildings to help um, more more kids, more immigrant kids go to schools and things like that. So it's it's such an incredible foundation, and the powerhouses behind New York, uh, behind uh, the Robin Hood Foundation, is incredible. I think one year our annual gala raised over a hundred million dollars in one night. So that just wow. gives you the sense, yeah. So this is a scale like no other. I mean, it was just incredible to be in this room and just see all these people just putting their hand up and saying, yes, I will donate to this organization because the work that you're doing is so impactful. Um, and within the Robin Hood, I was there for about four years. I sat within the management consulting team. So we really provided wraparound services to the organizations that we funded to make sure we strengthened them and gave them the best shot at funding the programs they needed to, to lift New Yorkers out. So whether that was help with strategic planning or, you know, board placement and governance or the real estate aspects, so helping them with project managing, you know, new construction services and things like that, just really making sure that we we supported these organizations that were doing the best work they possibly could to help New Yorkers in poverty. Um, so that was that was amazing. That was some of the best years of my life. The people I worked there were the smartest people I've ever met. They always say, you know, you should be a small fish in a big pond to learn from who you can. And I absorbed as much as I could. I said yes to everything. Um, there were some really interesting times that we worked there as well. It was through COVID. Uh, so we did some, you know, some COVID relief grants to get people in homes. Um, uh, it was also during the time when an American president was in that rescinded DACA, which was, you know, to help um, immigrant children become American and, you know, work within the work within the system and all that type of stuff. So trying to help these, these immigrants children and, and and families that were in poverty really get the best shot at life. So it was such a rewarding experience. And I really learned, I really learned a lot from these incredible people that I worked with. Um, but then I left that, unfortunately, and I went to BSR, which was a business for social responsibility, which again, I've had some really cool jobs, I have to say. And they've all, I've never really had the, like a five-year plan and, and a roadmap to what I was working towards. But my <laughs> No one career, has a five-year plan. Come on, Renata, let's be honest. It's funny. I think for a few people and they're like, I'm going to do this in two years. I'm going to be here. I'm going to do this. And I'm like, wow, I know generally where I'm headed. 
and my career has kind of taken twists and turns to get there. And they've all got the same theme, you know, impactful helping people. Um, but yeah, so Robin Hood didn't have an environmental um, mandate or, and nothing to do with the, the environment. And that was really like my passion, uh, my calling. So I left and went to Business for Social Responsibility, which is an international sustainability um, consulting firm that advises the Fortune 1000 companies globally um, on their ESG journey. And I sat squarely within the environmental space. So helping um, major companies with their materiality assessments, decarbonization strategies, aligning with the alphabet soup of reporting requirements and things like that. So that gave me the flip side. So that really gave me the corporate experience and what these big international firms are looking for and, and how the regulations were changing and what their stakeholders were asking for and how to tie that neatly up in a bow and present to the board I mean, and develop strategies. So it all kind of it all kind of comes together and plays together, but it's all got that, like I said, that that theme of working towards an impactful, purpose-driven career. Yeah, so, well, yes, it sounds like, and and so what were the seeds, was it your BSR experience that led you to identify a bigger problem that you wanted to solve um, through Brownie? Was that sort of like the genesis? Yeah, so interesting. So that was so, so my my role at BSR obviously was from the corporate side and helping, like I said, the Fortune 1000, the big ends of town. And it was really interesting there. Some of the problems they were having is that they were setting all these big sustainability strategies and their supply chain wasn't getting on board. And the supply chain, you know, typically tends to be small and medium businesses globally or, or domestically. And they were, you know, these big companies are saying we're setting these targets, but we can't even get our supply chain to, to answer a survey or get on the phone. Like, how can we meet these goals if we can't get half of our um, you know, our team on board. And then so when I came to Brownie and I met up with the, you know, my other uh, co-founders of Brownie and they were solving, they were trying to solve this problem from the SME side. I was like, wow, this is so cool because I've actually seen the other side of it. I've seen the flip side. So now I actually have that in-depth firsthand experience of what it is these major organizations are asking. And then we can tailor the response to support SMEs to become more sustainable and then also stay in business because major companies now are saying, you know, if, if if our supply chain doesn't fall in line and start reporting on scope three emissions or waste or water or other industry-specific metrics, we're actually going to cut them out of the supply chain. So it's it's imperative that we do we do provide this support to SMEs to become more sustainable, to keep them in business. So it's really cool having seen both sides now of the coin um, and then definitely getting connected to the, my really amazing founders, Dr. Jill, Guido and Kate. Um, that I have the privilege of working with every day to support small and medium businesses to become more sustainable. That's amazing. And so how did you meet your founders and what was the sort of like the principal problem that you set out to solve with Brownie? Yeah. yeah. So I met my I met my founders through BSR actually when I said to my incredible mentors that I worked with there that I was unfortunately leaving New York um, and moving back to Australia to, you know, spend more time with my family. And I, again, I'd been away from, from Sydney. I'd been in New York for 12 years. So I didn't know anyone. I didn't know the sustainability landscape, nothing. So I asked for some warm introductions. And, um, and one of my mentors there connected me to Kate, one of my co-founders that I mentioned before. And we had a chat and she, you know, she connected me to a bunch of people in, in Australia. But then she was like, you really should take, you should really speak to Gita. Like you're doing this really cool thing. We're part of this, this startup. It's called Brownie. You know, we're trying to help SMEs become more successful and stay in business. Like you two should get together. So that's kind of like the genesis. That's how we kind of formed. Um, I met Jill shortly after that. She'd been involved for a while. And then when we were just talking about the problem, it just seemed like a logical fit that I would come in to this this amazing organization that was starting up to help solve this problem and the problem really is like I alluded to that the world is transitioning to a more sustainable future you know everyone's getting on board the international organizations government regulations investors are demanding it um consumers are demanding it you know they're, they're speaking with their wallets the younger generation the younger workforce want to work for companies that are more sustainable you know that have strategies have DEI practices and policies um and so 
this is this is the the path that we chose to this is the problem that we chose to to lean into and really just creating this tech platform this solution to make branding a one-stop shop for SMEs uh, to become more sustainable and so how does it work take us through the nuts and bolts and how did you design it um, with sort of like your collective insights into the challenging problems that SMEs face in this space yeah, awesome. So it's a it's meant to be a very simple, easy, straightforward, fun, engaging, you know, whatever, what have you, platform. So an SME comes to Brownie within a couple of minutes. We, you know, we ask them a bunch of questions, and within a couple of minutes, uh, the algorithm spits out a bunch of material issues that they should focus on, relevant to their industry, their level of risk, their appetite for change, any regulations coming down the pipeline. Um, and these can be, you know, these focus areas can be anywhere from water or waste to a social issue such as modern slavery or a governance issue such as, as cyber. And then from that, the, the SME can really decide to click on whichever issue that they're interested in tackling right now. And behind that, um, we, the algorithm suggests some actions that they can take and then connects them to companies that are actually offering that service or that solution. So really trying to remove all the complexity around sustainability. A lot of people have this, this false narrative in their head that it's about reporting. So they've got to start reporting and aligning with international standards. But what Brownie does is really flip the script and say, let's actually get you into action first. Let's get you into doing something that you can actually improve your sustainability impact. And then you can report on the progress that you've made at a later date. But don't, don't let the complexity or the, or the reporting perceived pressures stop you from actually doing something to become more sustainable. And so we're really trying to, trying to create that, that ecosystem of like-minded companies moving together to create a more environmentally regenerative, socially just, economically exclusive, uh, and economically inclusive, not exclusive, it's the complete opposite, um, society. So, yeah. so we've always, I suppose, hoped, or I think the, that's an assumption. I'm, I mean, I've always hoped that more SMEs would become more interested in sustainability, ESG, mm-hmm. and actually mm-hmm. proving out social impact. What what are some of the drivers that are maybe coming from industry or I'd say the push factors that are actually yeah. driving SMEs to start to take this more seriously and perhaps adopt a solution like Brownie? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's probably three main ones. I'm sure there's a lot of smaller ones, but the three main ones would be the regulatory pressures that the larger companies are facing now, especially in the EU and in um uh, the USA. And then now we're starting to see them trickle down into Australia as well. But as you know, in the next couple of years, listed companies are going to have to report on their sustainability metrics and not just emissions. You know, it's, it's much more than emissions. It's like I said, it's water, it's industry-specific metrics as well. It's, it's board diversity in hiring practices. And so if you want to be part of a, a, a large organization supply chain, you have to fall in line and you have to start providing your data to, to the contract, to the people that hold your contracts. So that's one. That's the main one that everyone can see. It's kind of like the stick. The other part of it as well is that the consumers are demanding it. I mean, there's so many studies now that say a majority of consumers would actually pay a little bit more for products um, or or support brands that are more sustainable, that are are trying to have a negative, a positive impact on the planet um, and are trying to do things more around um, sustainability, whether that's recycling, water sourcing, whatever that might be. And then also the younger generation coming into the workforce. They, they want to work for companies that have this front and center. They want to work for, for mission-driven and values-aligned organizations. Um, and they're more inclined to stay with those companies for longer if they can actually show that they do care about the planet and they do care about the people and they have a living wage and, you know, they do have a, a, um, a, a footprint of what they're, what they're sourcing from and the like. So I'd probably say they're the three main ones, the regulatory drivers, um, the consumers, and then the, the workforce. 
And so how fast are things changing here from a regulatory perspective? I know that we've had um, some guidelines out there around um, greenwashing in particular mm-hmm. and ASX disclosures, which probably yeah, affects yeah, yeah. you know your listed companies more than your, your SMEs. But yeah. there's also some things probably in the pipeline just around um, reporting beyond um, the financials. I know that in my space, in the for-purpose sector, we've started to see a trend where it used to be that in annual reports, 30, just say it's 30 pages, you'd have um, 28 pages of financials, and then two pages on impact. Yeah, uh, yeah. And now it's the complete opposite. Um, yeah, really, yeah. most most reporting is about um, sustainability and impact, yeah. and then yeah. a very small section on the financials. And I think we're starting to see, if you did, I haven't done this analysis, but I'm, I'm guessing that if you looked at SME um, reporting, um, it's starting to trend a little bit more that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, what's coming down the pipeline and what are the sort of key regs that um, they need to be conscious of. Um, yeah, so it's interesting you said how fast is this space moving. In Australia, not fast at all. Yeah, um, and yep. that's something that we've heard, you know, from a lot of people that we speak to, the the SMEs that we speak to, the, the companies that we've, you know, we've started to get to sell and board the platform and just other people that are, you know, advising us. They're like Australia is a little bit slower compared to the, to the rest of the world. But because those regulatory drivers are coming from, like I said, the EU, the, um, um, the USA and all that, and, and Australia now is implementing them, they are there. They are coming down the pipeline and, and people do need to get on board, whether they're a listed company or an SME that forms part of the supply chain. So that, so that is good. But, um, the, the ACCC greenwashing document you alluded to before, that is, I think, one of the main drivers as well. A lot of people that we speak mm-hmm. to, all, everyone wants to know about greenwashing and how can you avoid greenwashing and, and what can they do to keep themselves out of trouble. And the simple thing we say is use brownie, like show that you're actually taking action and you're actually doing what you say you're going to do. Don't go out there and, and make all these lofty statements back them up with actual evidence and back them up with actual actions that you're taking and, and show the impact. And that's exactly what Brownie does with our sustainability dashboard. You know, a, com- a company could never be accused, I, I won't say never because, you know, that's a, such a definitive word, but a people a company couldn't be confused potentially of greenwashing if they just show what they've done on Brownie and, and show all the actions that they've taken, you know, your ever up-to-date sustainability platform. But um, but with the the Treasury announcing, you know, in the next couple of years that on a tiered phased approach that larger listed companies are going to have to start reporting on scope three emissions and then scope three industry specific metrics, this is coming down the pipeline um, in the next couple of years. So the time is now for for organizations to get on board, to start getting their data in, a, in you know, in order and really start driving forward and making change and, and being impactful. And I suppose, um, you know, as well, there are a lot of SMEs that maybe are going down the B Corp path or sort of yeah, different yeah. different sorts of uh, approaches to starting that journey. How does um, Brownie sort of interface with these sorts of organisations? Are they too far down the pipeline uh, for you to work with or they're already sort of in the right direction and it's great yeah, for you? Yeah, or, yeah absolutely. Yeah, what's, what's that kind of mix like? Yeah, absolutely. So, so Brownie is is industry agnostic and maturity agnostic. We've really we're trying to build the platform to to capture the needs of SMEs wherever they're at on their journey and whatever industry that they're in. So, obviously, you know, it's easier to suggest actions for SMEs that are very nascent in this journey and, and don't know what to do. Um, and then it's harder to build out actions for companies that are very well advanced that are you know working towards becoming a B Corp and all that type of stuff. But there still are actions that they can take. So the brownie platform is really trying to cater to, to all of them and um and really just build this ecosystem, like I said, of like-minded companies that are moving towards this environmental regenerative um solution. And then the hope is once these companies become sustainable themselves, they can come back to Brownie and actually sell their services on the platform because they're, you know, they've they're a sustainable company themselves. So it's what good. Sta- it's like a partnership. 
let's i mean i really like something that i went read from your website so actually it's actually from your linkedin so i just want to play it back to you because i think it's punchy and i'd love you to unpack it a little bit because i think it <laughs> sort of goes to the heart of what you do so well so sustainability in business is so much more than carbon it's not only about risk and compliance it's not even a strategy either applied appropriately it is as a mindset yeah. a mindset for success and with brownie that's in the baking <laughs> i love that that's awesome yeah absolutely it sounds good right out loud i mean i, I could do yeah you, I, i've been doing a bit of voiceover work i'd be happy to you know it do sounds a read for great you it sounds great when you when you read it like that especially you know in the, in the calm and just very articulate it was awesome um, I, I could imagine you putting that like i just i think it's really well written so i felt like reading it in a classy way you know <laughs> i appreciate it thank you yeah yeah um but yeah there is a lot to unpack there and i think the if we take it as step by step the the first sentence there is that sustainability is more than just carbon and it's more than just reporting and that's the one thing that brownie really tries to do is we focus on um esng so environmental social and governance and a lot of people when you talk to them about sustainability they straight away just think carbon emissions um you know accounting what is my footprint kind of thing or they talk about reporting and which international guidelines do i have to align with and that type of stuff and it's so much more than that i mean the environmental pillar itself is so much more than emissions it's water how much water are you using? Are you recycling it? Are you getting it from water-stressed areas? It's waste. How much are you diverting from landfill? What are you recycling? Circular economy, you know, how many, how much of your product can be redesigned to be repurposed and reused? Um, single-use plastic, compostable materials. So it's the whole gamut of, of the environmental pillar. Not to mention the social the social pieces also, well. modern slavery statements, DEI policies, blind hiring practices, you know, how diverse is your board. And then governance too. So do you actually have the systems in place to track this data? Do you have a risk management plan in place? Do you, is your is your business cyber secure? So it's, it's across the ESNG. And so that's something that we at Brownie really try to call out. Yes, emissions are incredibly important, 100%, but so is all the other things that encapsulates the environmental, the social and the governance. And so we really try to make that clear with, um, you know, that beautiful statement that you just read out. And then also the the way that the Brownie platform is is built. Um, and then even just going back to the little, the slogan, brownie sustainability in the baking, that's, um, cleverly, cleverly thought of because sustainability can really only be successful if a company embraces it and integrates it across all of its business operations. Mm. If it's just silaged to one department and, and they just do their own thing and it's not adopted throughout all the business operations, chances are it won't be as successful or have such a, a greater impact as we'd like it to. So with Brandy, sustainability is really in the baking, kind of meaning that it's scattered throughout all of the business operations. It's incorporated by all the, the C-suite, the boards, and every single employee is empowered to become more sustainable and drive the, the business forward that way. So, yeah, because yeah, I, I suppose like a brownie is the sum of all its ingredients and the approach exactly, yeah. as well. And so yeah. maybe the analogy to the mindset is that it's not just as a tool or going through a, a small process. Yeah. And I think we see this with, with any um, sort of transformation or change uh, project that it's got to be a whole of organisation to be effective. Yeah. Exactly right, 100%, yeah. And with the mindset as well, we really want to try to, to again, demystify sustainability and not have it be this scary thing, again, that, you know, regulators are demanding and I've got a report. We really want to flip the narrative to be like, you can do very simple things and put in, you know, profit and, and business success front and center. So you want to reduce your your um, electrical bills each month. So become more energy efficient. So replace your light bulbs with more energy efficient light bulbs. Your energy bill goes down. You save money every month. So kind of like flipping the narrative to be more as a business mindset. And that way, then you can actually encourage and support SMEs to become more sustainable because they understand the, the business side of things. So it's just kind of, you know, doing the same thing, but just flipping it a little bit to make it more SME centric. 
I think it's great. And, and how's it all going? Because, I mean, you guys are fairly um, early stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, um, we deployed our MVP a couple of months ago and we're in the, in the process now of user testing it. So we're doing that with a series of um, SMEs um, over a couple of cohorts. And the, we just finished the first cohort two, three days ago and the, the response was overwhelmingly positive, which was awesome. And they're giving us great feedback to iterate the platform and to, to continue to build, um, which is awesome. And then so we plan to wrap the, the beta testing up towards the end of the year uh, and then, yeah, and then go, and go live. So it's going, re- it's going really well. We're learning very a lot. Very exciting. Like, it what, is, are you, yeah. what are you hearing? What are sort of some, some of the key comments that are coming out? It's easy to use. It's really simple. Um, they would, and the, one of the most positive things that we've heard as well is that, we, you know, we want to encourage SMEs to know that they're, they're doing great things and they're probably already doing some of this stuff anyway. And so a lot of the feedback that we have heard is that these businesses are so shocked they're actually doing something to be more impactful and to be more sustainable. They just weren't aware of it. So, you know, a lot of the feedback is like, wow, we didn't even realize we're already doing A, B, and C. Like, how good is this? Like, we're not as bad as we thought we are. So really encouraging them to be like, yep, you know, you've probably done more than what you you thought you have and really shifting that, you know, your business success depends on on being more sustainable. Um, but yeah, the, the reviews are great. Like the platform's easy to use. It makes sense. Um, yeah, so it's been fun. Oh, and because terrific. there's only four founders, we're all wearing every hat and we're trying to move together and it's it's yeah. really good. Learning a lot. How are you how are you funding all of this? Bootstrapping so far. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. Bootstrapping and so far. Do you think you'll look for investment or are you seeking go to seek investment once you launch or what's the plan around? Yeah, we'll probably we're probably um we're we're not taking anything off the table. So we're definitely open, you know, if there's any like minded values driven um aligned investors that are interested we're absolutely open to having conversations with them as well um and then we probably will plan once we launch at the start of next year to to see if we can find some investors or just start to get the platform up and running and see how we can go that way so yeah fantastic so if people jump on your website now they'll find all the information can they have a go at using it what's sort of up online so far yeah so up on up online right now which is brownie with two e's uh brownie.io is our pilot program and so they can play around with it for now but just knowing that the mvp the, the whole usability and functionality of the platform is still secret it's still behind our little um our little you know locked box um, and then once we do the user testing and really iterate it to a great place probably towards the end of the year, then we'll we'll post that and go public with that and get people to play on it. Because, you know, the, it's a data base as well. It's a data system. So the more people that use it, the more information that we get, the more we can tailor the the algorithm and the recommended actions to, to support SMEs. So we need users. We want users. So, yeah, jump on, have a go. Yeah, no, Very exciting. Well, what could be the impact? And, I mean, I suppose, what do you think, uh, how important is the role that SMEs play in adopting tech like this in driving sort of social and societal change in the right direction? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's huge. I One thing, one statistic that kind of blew me away when I first started with Brownie is that SMEs form more than half of the GDP. I didn't realize that the SME, the SMEs are so impactful and so huge in our society that we do need them to be a, a driver in in creating a more sustainable world. Um, so their their adoption of tech like this and their their push to become more sustainable is huge if we're ever going to get to a decarbonized, more sustainable world. So we need we need them on board. And sim- and the flip side of that is if if all these large international companies say they're going to start cutting SMEs that aren't meeting these sustainable sustainability criteria from their supply chain. 
we're going to start losing all of these SMEs and we're going to start to have a very um, monogamous um, supply chain and, you know, there's going to be one or two main players with all the, the smaller SMEs gone. So it's both sides. We really need to support them to keep them in business so we can have diversity in our economy. And also because they form more than half of the GDP, we really need them to get on board to become more sustainable if we are going to have any shot at creating a, a long-lasting planet which you know as a mum for two small boys I do get worried at the state of our, our planet right now and so that that drives my fuel and my passion even further that's really such a great solution and do you think I mean part of my thinking would be that if you've got SMEs um, playing a major role in this sort of uh, very important work which is simple but giving you ways to increase your sustainability and reduce your carbon footprint, et cetera, and just sort of work more sustainably, that some of these things will also rub off on people's personal behaviours and teams' individual behaviours. But then also perhaps, um, you know, SMEs have big corporate and publicly listed partners a lot of the time. So do you think there's a bit of upward pressure as well where they will sort of look at that and say, perhaps we could do things better? I like that. That's a really clever way to to look at it as well. Absolutely. And I think as well because – it's obvious society is moving in this direction. You know, consumers are demanding it. It's, you know, you now see people with a plastic water bottle and I know whenever I go out and I've forgotten a water bottle and I get a plastic one, I feel shamed myself. So it's definitely- <laughs> Shame, a- shame, <laughs> shame. <laughs> I definitely do. And especially when I see people that they know how passionate I am about the environment, I'm like, oh my goodness. And I, I justify it. I'm like, I forgot my water bottle. I'm so sorry. Like, don't judge yeah. me. But um, I do like that upward pressure as well. Like, you know, companies that are demanding it from themselves and then and then asking it from others that they work with. And it's, you know, you can you can increase market share. Like I said, consumers are demanding it. They're, they're wanting to pay more for products and brands and support brands that are more sustainable. So it's there. We just need to support the businesses to become more sustainable and show them that it is easy and, you know, they already are probably doing a lot of it um, and just make, you know, it a one-stop shop for them to get into it. Demystify the complexity. Yeah, I love it. Demystify the complexity. What yeah. do you say about the merit of um, t- going with a young family or just d- for general purposes, spending time abroad working and living uh, and then and then coming back? And, and I, I was sort of curious, like, you know, um, I've had a couple of guests who have spent time in New York living there. I mean, did you ever consider staying or it was always a come home sort of situation? It was all, I mean, right from the start, we were there for 12 years. Right from the start, it was always that we're only going for two years because the visa we were on was two years, but it was renewable indefinitely. I think that was that was how we got into trouble. And like the, I remember the first the first year that we moved there, my husband and I both looked at each other and we said, well, we can't go home in one year. Like we've just we've just figured New York out. Like that's how long it took us to figure out which suburbs we liked and how to take the, the subway and get our good group of friends and really, you know, get New York. So like, well, obviously we'll renew our visa. And we did that again and again and again and again and again. And then I never in a million years thought we would have children in in New York. I never, the thought never crossed my mind. But then we did. And then, you know, we stayed for a little bit longer. But then it did become apparent, like the flight from New York to Sydney is unbearable alone. To do it with two toddlers is just a nightmare. It's just, I would not wish that upon anyone. It's just awful. And especially being close to, you know, both of our families and really wanting to spend time with them and really wanting to have that relationship with my children and our parents for their, you know, for them to meet and know their grandparents. It just meant we had to come home. Um, it's just too far. It's New York and, and Sydney are just too far away. But man, yeah. it was a it was a very, very, very hard decision and and one that, you know, if my mum and dad are listening, I hope they don't because it's one that I question every day. I'm like, should we go back? I don't know, what are we doing here? Blah, blah, blah. But yeah, Sydney's Sydney's a great place. But yeah, New York's incredible. 
What made you decide to take the leap into starting something that's, you know, very much a startup? Um, because you probably came back from New York and could have taken any job that paid you a wage um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and not be worried about your existential <laughs> and like yeah. future well-being as a household, but also viability of taking a bit of a risk. And I think yeah. that's part of what makes people like you special, the courage to sort of take those risks that make it a difference for everyone. And I, I yeah. very much admire that. But yeah, just curious, was, was it just sort of an overwhelm of passion and desire and belief that you could do something great? Or how did you get yourself over that hump or feel like you can make that call? That's an interesting one because I never again in a million years thought I'd be working for a startup and not as, not you know, not as employee one or employee two with funding as a startup, like a founder in a startup. So building everything from the ground up. Like I've always worked in companies where there's been a template or a playbook or someone that's done this project a million times that I can go and, and, and ask for support. But at Brownie, we're all doing this for the first time. So there is no playbook. There is no guide. It's go away and think about it. And Renata, you're the only one that's doing this piece. So what do you suggest we do? And so that is really, really cool. It's really overwhelming. Imposter syndrome is real. The amount of times I sit to myself and be like, they'd probably be better off if I wasn't here. I've got absolutely no idea what I'm doing. But then I think it is that blank slate that kind of helps you make fresh choices and fresh decisions because you don't have something to fall back on. But um, but yeah, to your point, I came back from from New York. I got offered a bunch of jobs, um, finally settled on one. And then, and then told the co-founders, I said, oh, listen, you know, I'm going to, this has been really fun, but I'm actually going to take this job with this great company doing great work. And they looked at me and they're like, no, 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 no. Like the brownie is yours. You have to be part of this together. It's all four of us, you know, moving, moving SMEs sustainably into the world. You have to, you have to stay with us. And so I really, for the first time paused and I was like, oh, maybe this is something I do want to do. Like, you know, when do you ever get the opportunity to be a founding member of a startup doing such impactful important work like let me think about this a bit more and I actually went out to dinner with my husband and some of my friends and I asked them at the the dinner table I said well what do you think I should do and they all looked at me like I you know just have a million heads and I looked around the room and every single one of them had was an entrepreneur they had all started their own businesses at least one sometimes some of them more um my husband's the biggest risk taker in business and like he straight away was like well you'd be stupid not to do this like you have to Mm. and I looked at every other single one of my friends that were there all entrepreneurs and like why wouldn't you do this? So, so <laughs> it was it was a thirty second conversation. I was like, ah, oh, okay. So I think it's also just having like your your friends network and and your family network there to support you. Just knowing so the, that it is a risk that you take. Good, good to surround yourself with people who also have that appetite for risk and you know the power Absolutely, of the crowd. Yeah. In yeah. this case, supported you. Whereas I wonder if you were surrounded by people who had been you know in the golden handcuffs for ten to twenty years. Yeah. Um, yeah. With a partner who was doing the same, you might have got a different response. And I wonder yeah, how absolutely. that might have impacted. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I did, I did. Once I had kind of made the decision, I did speak to some of my other friends that I consider mentors that have had corporate jobs, you know, their entire life, and they, they, uh, they encouragement was much more reserved it was like oh well if if you want to but you know and then you know preaching me the benefits of working in a, in a large company that has funding mm. and structure and, and all that mm. type of stuff but um but yeah ultimately I think it's you know you're a product of the people that you surround yourself with and I have always been a risk taker um and so yeah this just this just bodes well with my personality and I, I love it like the learning is is huge the experience is huge I'm so passionate by the work that we're doing and the impact that we can make at Brownie that it just you know it's it's awesome. I I couldn't imagine have done anything else. Let me give some advice that you gave in your filling out the form that you probably don't remember, which is going to be great for <laughs> any people who are t- thinking of taking a similar uh, calculated risk. 
You've written try, exclamation mark, take a chance, fail, don't be afraid, keep going. You're doing better than you think. And I just I just love that, Renard. I think that's so positive. So I thought it, that's a good place to to end the conversation is if anyone's thinking about it, have a go, right? Absolutely. Well, I mean, one of my one of my biggest sayings that I love that I use to motivate myself whenever I need to is at the end of the day, you have a result or an excuse. And that's, you know, that's whether or not I'm trying to work out, you know, if I decide I'm going to go for a run and I don't, well, I have a result or I have an excuse. If you're going to give it a shot and you fail, well, so what? At least you tried. And you're always doing better than you think. Everyone's there to support you and lift you up. And it's been amazing this journey, how many people have just offered their support, offered their service. Do you want to talk to me? Do you want to help me? Do you want to guide me? Like wh- whatever it is. So people genuinely are rooting for your success and, and to support you. And that's why I do strongly believe just try, just, you know, you can't say you didn't give it a shot if you if you never tried. So try, give it a go. You'll make a mistake. You have to, that's how you learn, but get back up and just keep going because you know what, you, you're probably doing better than you thought. So yeah, so that's, that's something, I am a very positive person and that is something I do try to live by. Fantastic. So you've already mentioned this, but I'll just get you to rehash. If people want to connect with you, learn more about mm-hmm. your work and also Brownie, how can they do that? Definitely go to the, the Brownie website, which is brownie with two E's, uh, .io. Um, and then you can reach me on LinkedIn. So Renata Crellini at LinkedIn. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Thanks so much for being with me today. Uh, thank you. This is so much fun. Great. Hang on. We'll have a little bit debrief. Awesome. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player and why not share it with a friend or two? If you want more from your Humans of Purpose experience, become a Humans of Purpose member today through our new platform, Supercast. All you need to do is hit the link in our show notes. If you have a message to share with our audience about your brand, products or services, we have a wide variety of paid promotional packages available. Please get in touch by hitting the link in our show notes.